What is up, guys? Welcome back. I don't know about you, but I'm freaking hyped right now. <laughs> um, gosh, being a Niner fan is the biggest emotional roller coaster I can think of. Ever since I started watching football, like, I don't know, back in 2011, um, I think I told the story before, but grew up, didn't really get involved in football, never watched it. 21, moved to California, started a business, worked like 80-hour weeks for like four or five months, and then finally had some downtime in the fall, and 2011 was the year, obviously, that Harbaugh came in. Living in Northern California, the Niners were always on, and I was like, I want to watch something because I got nothing to do, no friends, and they just took off and dominated for three years, made me fall in love with football, fell in love with the team, watching Patrick Willis out there, Navarro Bowman, just smash dudes, um, Delaney Walker, Vernon Davis, um, Kaepernick was so electric in that 2012 and 13 season, watching Harbaugh freak out on the sidelines and just the psychopath that he is in the best possible way, making the guys want to run through walls. Um, and yeah, you know, just those highs as a fan and then the low lows of Thomas Sula and Chip Kelly and uh, watching Kaepernick just fall off entirely and the team end up in the dumpster fire, and then we get Shanahan in, and, you know, you're hopeful, but then the team sucks for, like, 11 games, and you go 1-10, and 10, and then you trade for Jimmy, and then Jimmy goes 5-0, and 0, and you got this new hope, and you're on the high again, and you give him this contract, because, hey, maybe he's the dude that you've been looking for, you know, ever since, like, Kaepernick or Steve Young or whatever. You're looking for the guy, and maybe he's the guy. And then you get three games in, and he tears his ACL <laughs> against Kansas City, which is ironic enough and comes full circle multiple times, it seems like. I feel like the history between the Niners and the Kansas City is it's uh, it's like borderline like mythical. Like There's a weird shit like ever since... I would probably go back, you know, Joe Montana trading him over to Kansas City. And then it's like, you know, Jimmy tears his ACL against the Chiefs. And then we have that down year. But then we get Bosa and Jimmy comes back. And then we team dominates on defense and freaking high highs. And Jimmy starts cooking a little bit a couple games in 2019. And I got to go to that Saints game where they put up like 43 points Jimmy was good. Kittle had that fourth and two where he dragged three guys hanging off of his face mask for 30 yards. They kicked the game winner. We're at our high highs. Dominate, dominate, dominate. Get all the way to the Super Bowl. At the high high, you have a 10-point lead. And then heartbreak. The Chiefs rip your heart out and step on it and come back and win in the Super Bowl. And then you're on the down again. And then what are we going to do? And then there's all the off-season drama. And then 
you know, we have a histor another historically bad injury here. <laughs> and then it's a down year in 2020, and Jimmy's hurt, and Bosa's hurt, and everybody's hurt, and the team is shit again. And then 2021, and then 2021, like, what's going on? We draft this kid, we trade all the way up, it's exciting, uh, all the way up to number three, who's it gonna be? There's like two months of just like mystery and intrigue and like film, crushing film, and who's this Trey kid, who's Justin Fields, is it Mac Jones, is it somebody else? We think we know that it's not gonna be Zach Wilson, and... Who's it going to be? And back and forth and back and forth. And then we end up getting Lance and it's exciting. And then, you know, there's all the drama, obviously. And then the season starts and you know what? It's going to be Jimmy. Jimmy's the guy. Trey's going to sit for a year. And you know what? Fair enough. Obviously, people sit on different sides of do you sit the kid so that he can learn? Because he's played one season of college football at a lower level and he's 21 years old and needs to learn you stick with the vet who can win or do you play the kid and let him take his lumps well he ends up sitting and then jimmy gets hurt and then he plays a couple of games and then he gets hurt and then jimmy comes back and jimmy sucks and just when you think that the season is about to be down the drain and we're three and five we turn it on and every single week is a must-win game and we, we must win and then we must win and then we must win. And then you see the hope when the kid comes back against Houston and you're like, whoa, he looks a lot better in Houston than he did versus Arizona and Seattle and hey, maybe he's improving. And then Jimmy comes back and then it's must win and must win and must win. And then we have that crazy comeback win at the end of the season against LA. And I was at that game and it was absolutely nuts crazy fun just ridiculous insane game and then we go and beat the cowboys and then we go and beat green bay in the snow without even scoring an offensive touchdown talanoa hafunga with the punt block six the punt block touchdown jordan willis and holy shit, we're on a high, and then we go to L.A., and it's back and forth, and are we going to do it? And then heartbreak, we lose to the Rams, and it hurts that much more because we beat the Rams twice during the season, and we beat the Bengals during the season. They were in the Super Bowl. It's like, we could have had that number six. And then the offseason happened. And what's going to happen with Jimmy? What's going to happen with Trey? Well, Trey's going to be our guy. We're going to try and trade Jimmy. Then Jimmy has the so shoulder surgery. And so we can't trade Jimmy. So what do we do? Well, we go to the draft. And we go through the draft. And, you know, you like this pick. You don't like that pick. You like this pick. You don't like that pick. I'm not going to get into all the draft picks right now. But we get through the draft. Jimmy's still here. And then we go to rookie minicamp, and Jimmy's still here. And then we get to training camp and OTAs, and Jimmy's still here. But Trey's our guy. He's taking all the one snaps. He's playing. Jimmy's just over there doing his own thing, throwing to, like, the water boy. Just doing his own thing because we're trying to trade him. But we can't trade him because <laughs> nobody wants him. 
So, fuck it. Jimmy, come on back. We'll renegotiate instead of uh, paying you 26 million bucks. Uh, we'll pay you six. And you know what? We'll put enough incentives in there that if you uh, end up playing, you know, the whole season, that you end up making like 16 million. So Jimmy's back as the backup. In comes more of the drama. And it was like the, again, the roller coaster. Then we have the Chicago game, and it's a monsoon. And oh my God, this team sucks, and they should have won. And they beat themselves. And it's like 100 yards and penalties. Absolutely terrible game. Just totally terrible game. So you lose that one. And then Seattle. And it's like you dominate the Seahawks, which you've been wanting to do forever. Like finally you get one on the Seahawks. And Trey snaps his leg in half. And it sounds like the recovery and the rehab is all going well. And obviously you don't want an ankle break, but... All things considered, it was it was it was the least worst leg break that you could have. You know, it was like the one bone, it was a clean break, it wasn't compound, it wasn't risk of an infection, um, there wasn't all kinds of crazy ligament damage, it was just oh, that's broken, gonna have to put it back together, and then you gotta rehab. Well, shit, Trey's out for the season, at least we got Jimmy. And, you know, Jimmy leads the team to the win against Seattle. And then it's up and down, and we beat the Rams. And then we lose to fucking... You know what I mean? Like, everything as a Niners fan is an emotional roller coaster. And it was like, awesome, we crushed the Panthers, but everybody got hurt. And then we go and we lose... To the Falcons. And it's like, damn it, you should have beat the Falcons. But the Falcons beat the Niners at their own game. They dominated the run game, the time of possession. And, you know, they, they ran it down our throats. We couldn't stop them. And they converted third downs. And their quarterback had a very Jimmy line of a high percentage with very few throws. Obviously, Mariota played really well that game, like, 13 to 14 or whatever for a hundred yards, couple touchdowns. It was, it was very much just, Hey, we need you to convert. We need you to throw the ball like 10 or 15 times. Like that is a Shanahan game plan. <laughs> and they beat us at our own game and damn it. This freaking sucks. And now we're three and three. How are we going to do? I don't know, but motherfucker. Now we got Christian McCaffrey. We got CMC out of nowhere Thursday night. I'm watching. Oh gosh. What was I watching? I was watching welcome to Wrexham <laughs> highly recommended by the way. It's a, uh, um, I, I forget if it's on Hulu or prime, but um, Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney end up buying an English soccer football team uh, called Wrexham and they literally just like buy this minor league football team in England and they're like hey we're gonna try and turn it around we're gonna get it promoted so highly recommend the show it's 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 great because it's they legit did it 
Um, if you don't remember who Rob McElhaney is, he's uh, from uh, Sunny in Philadelphia. He's the slickback guy who is kind of an idiot. <laughs> uh, acts like he works out a lot. Um, gosh, I forget his name. Is it Mick? I'm probably wrong. It's been a while since I've watched Sonny. Anyways, so I'm watching that show, and uh, I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to check the Twitter just, you know, one more time before I go to babe. One more time before I go to bed. I'm brushing my teeth. Look at the Twitter, and holy shit, we just traded for Christian McCaffrey. So, boom! Back on a high again, baby. Let's go. Emotional roller coaster. I am at my high, and now... We're playing the Chiefs, and we're going to have our hearts ripped out again on Tuesday. I'm going to be depressed because we're going to play like shit. Or maybe not. Or maybe not. Who knows? Um, but I have, a, I have a very tenuous relationship with the Chiefs. Um, yeah, un until we get the monkey off of our back of beating the Chiefs, they will be my, uh, my most hated team. Now that we've crushed the Seahawks, um, you know, it's it's the Chiefs. I know the Seahawks and the Rams, but fuck the Chiefs, dude. They, they tore Jimmy's ACL. They ripped a Super Bowl from our hands. Like, fuck the Chiefs. <laughs> Even though Andre Reid is a great coach, a great offensive mind, play caller... Mahomes is an incredible quarterback, just ridiculous, generational. Um, and he seems like a really nice guy, even if he's corny as hell. Um, and Kelsey is a stud, you know? But still, I can't, I can't like the Chiefs, no matter what, because they tore Jimmy's ACL and they ripped, a super, they ripped Lombardi number six away from us. So here we are. Here we are. We are three and three. Uh, technically, we are first in the division, which is weird at three and three, especially since it's a three-way tie at three and three. And uh, I think actually, now that I think about it, we're three and three. Seahawks are three and three. Rams are three and three. And uh, the Cardinals are three and four. But because we're two and zero oh in the division, we're in first place. So that's. Kind of funny, the way that works. But here we are. And this whole season, it's been so frustrating because there's times when the offense looks so good and you kind of start, you feel it clicking. But this team has a terrible tendency to beat themselves. There's been a whole lot of conversation recently about how good of a coach is Kyle Shanahan. Is he the offensive genius that people make him out to be. Some people say yes, because look at how he schemes guys open. and Look at how he creates mismatches. and Look at how he puts players in a blender. Some people say no. Some people say, hey, if he's such an offensive genius, why are his teams always, when they're good, top five defenses, but average offenses? If he's such an offensive genius, why are we not consistently putting up 30 points? And then you see the people counter that with, well, when he's had an average quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, he's been to a Super Bowl and two NFC Championship games in three years. 
with an average quarterback. Nobody's saying Jimmy's a top five, top ten quarterback. Most people think Jimmy is, you know, right around quarterback 15 to 25, depending on the week. But over the course of the season, he's probably going to be right around QB number 20. You know, sometimes he plays well, sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he's clutch, sometimes he isn't. Uh, is he limited? Yes. What are his elite traits? Quick release, quarterback sneaks, and uh, apparently an A-plus human being and teammate. Uh, what else? Well, I mean, other than that, he's, he's just kind of solid. You know, sometimes he plays well under pressure, sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he's accurate, sometimes he's not. Do you wish he'd push the ball down the field more? Yes, you do. However, I will say I really like that Jimmy has been pushing the field pushing the ball downfield more this year. It definitely feels like Jimmy has been more aggressive this year, and I like that. I really do. I don't expect Jimmy to be throwing 20-plus yards down the field 10, 20 times a game. But the fact that he's actually throwing it 20-plus yards down the field two to four times a game, I love I hope they keep that up because that is the only way you're going to keep defenses honest from stacking the box and crowding the line of scrimmage. Because everybody knows there is a formula to beating the 49ers with Jimmy Garoppolo. It's been discovered over the last year or two. You put five or six guys on the line, you put eight or nine guys in the box. You dare Jimmy to pass it because he passes short, intermediate, over the middle, or you crowd the run box, double set the edges, all that kind of stuff. So the only way that you can stop that is by threatening to throw it deep. So what do you do? You have Jimmy throw it deep, and Jimmy's been throwing it deep. We haven't been getting the results that we want, but again, you look back to the Falcons game, and as as hurt as the defense was, missing all the players that they were, they still only gave up 21 points on defense. We had the fumble six. You take away that fumble six, and the game is 14-21. That's a lot closer. Jimmy has a beautiful 45-yard pass to Ray Ray McLeod that hits him in the hands, and he drops it. That would have been a 45-yard pass. He also had one to Charlie Warner that hit him in the hands that he dropped. I mean, you, if, if those two passes are caught, then Jimmy has nearly a 400-yard passing game, and maybe we win that game, you know? Take away the fumble six, complete those two passes, catch it. Jimmy's been throwing deep, but the receivers haven't been catching it deep. He throws the two interceptions. You know, one of them he throws Debo triple coverage last second of the, you know, the first half. Don't really care too much. I appreciate you taking the shot. Do I like you throwing into triple coverage? No, but fuck it. Maybe you get a PI. Maybe Debo mosses the guy and steps out of bounds and, you know, you got enough time for one more shot or a field goal. So I don't hate that. Uh, the second interception. Not the best pass. Probably shouldn't have thrown it into into uh, you know tight coverage, threading the needle over the middle. Maybe throw it a little bit lower for Debo to you know take it down to the ground and catch it. But you know again, like you know the dude crashes, tips the ball up, and then somebody picks it off. Um, 
Again, I don't like that, but just a couple different plays and you know the ball bounces our way on a couple different ones and uh you know we win that game you know again hypothetically let's say that um you know those those two deep balls are caught and uh that second tipped interception doesn't happen well and the the fumble six doesn't happen that's that's four plays out of you know, 120 offensive and defensive plays that go our way, that could flip the script. You go back to the Bears game. You have 100-plus yards and penalties. You, you, you play more disciplined, and we win that game. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, that's the most frustrating thing about Shanahan is you see so many things going right, but then it's like the the... There's so much inconsistency in the discipline early on in the year. And Shanahan definitely seems like a Belichick type where his teams get better throughout the season. You know what I mean? Like look at look at the uh, look at the two really good seasons we had. Right? Obviously we started out in 2018 or 2019 8-0. Um, that was entirely on the defense. The offense picked it up in the second half. And defense is something where defenses typically don't get a whole lot better during the season. They can adjust schematically a little bit, but typically defenses rely a lot more on the talent early on. Offenses early on don't necessarily gel often until later on in the season. And you look at Shanahan, and Shanahan has been a second half of the season coach in my opinion, in terms of how well his teams play. I really wish he would be more consistent. I really wish we wouldn't have these games where you have 100 plus yards and penalties. I wish you wouldn't have these fumble sixes and just like some of the questionable fourth down calls. Ultimately, though, he is a good coach. Is he the best coach in the NFL? No. But are there 10 coaches I'd rather have? I don't think there's 10 coaches in the NFL better than Shanahan. I think he's a top 10 coach. I think he needs to improve. I think the whole team needs to improve. But I also think they will. You also get frustrated because the offense, you see times where it's like, hey, this team could easily put up 30. You know, this team should be putting up 28 to 38 points a game, period. Like, there's no reason why they shouldn't be putting up 28 to 38 points a game. But it's the mistakes, the self-inflicted mistakes, the self-inflicted things that happen that causes this team to falter and lose games, especially early on in the season. And we've been struggling a lot with injuries, which is another just insane thing. Uh, I don't remember which ranking it was exactly, but the 49ers are currently last in the NFL in terms of injuries. Again, just like in 2020. It's... I know some people have said, yeah, well, they already replaced their training staff. And yes, they did, but they did that like three years ago. And I think this season they need to fire their... uh, whoever their medical training staff is, because there's some things that you can't control. You can't control things like ACLs and broken bones. But 
what you can control is um, soft tissue stuff and re-aggravating things. How many times have we seen guys, you know, quote unquote, be good to go, come back too early, have a flare up and then have a setback? The flare ups, the setbacks, uh, coming back too early, guys going on injured reserve multiple times in a row. That's that to me is the biggest issue. Like I'm not going to blame the training staff for Bosa's ACL two years ago or for Trey Lance's ankle or for Jimmy Ward's hand this season. Like none of those things are on the training staff. My problem with the training staff is the Javon Kinlaws, uh, the Eric Armsteads, um, you know, where, hey, we've got a guy, we think he's good to go, hey, he's good to go, oh, look, he had a setback, and now he isn't going to be able to play for another four to six weeks. It's like, well, I'd much rather you have a training staff that doesn't do that. Maybe they sit out for a week or two more, but they don't miss an extra four to six on the back end. You know, so I think that they they replaced the whole staff in 2018 or 2019 or whatever. Um, I think they need to look long and hard at that this offseason because we can't continue to be the most injured team in the NFL. Or at the very least, we're in, we're in like the bottom five every year. And when there's... Con insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting results. Insanity is keeping around the same training staff when we've had some of the worst injury results in the NFL for multiple seasons. And it's not just one season. It's not two seasons. This has been like a three, four season thing. Uh, I do think they've done a good job adjusting how they draft and the players that they acquire in terms of injury mitigation and injury risk. But whoever's on the training staff that's letting these guys back too early and having them get hurt again, that needs to change this offseason. It's been a while since I've been on here, so I feel like I got a lot to rant about. <laughs> Christian McCaffrey, though, dude, this is fun. Um, I'm really bummed out that Elijah Mitchell has been hurt. Hopefully we get him back after the bye week. So we got two games. We have the Chiefs, and then we have the Rams, and then we have a bye week. So there's basically, and then after the bye week, we get back Elijah Mitchell, cross our fingers in theory. That should definitely help the offense. Uh, injuries this week. Um, let me just take a quick look. I just pulled it up. So I don't have the final injury report, um, but as of Friday, Armstead is out. Uh, Hafunga, Talano Hafunga, going through the percussion, uh, concussion protocol. He's currently questionable. I think he has one more step uh, to pass today in order to play. So cross our fingers, he plays. The other person who's questionable is uh, Charvarius Ward, so Mooney Ward, who's been playing incredible, by the way. He's been playing like a top five corner in the NFL, so gosh, that was, uh, that was a damn good signing. He has just been awesome. Uh, love, love, love Mooney Ward. Uh, 
Yeah, so he is also questionable. Uh, my understanding is that they were both uh, at practice yesterday, which was Friday. I don't have the reports out for today, obviously. I wonder if it's actually, I wonder if I can check. Let me load the Twitter sphere here. Let me see here. And I don't see anything on the Twitter sphere yet right now. But anyways, so injuries. Armstead out. Obviously, Kinlaw's on IR. Um, and questionable. So cross our fingers. Hafanga, Mooney Ward. Good to go, which is exciting. Nick Bosa, good to go after uh, pulling his groin, sitting out a game. Trent Williams, good to go after having that ankle injury. And Jimmy Ward. Jimmy Ward is good to go. He broke his hand, and it looks like he's going to be uh, out there with the, uh, the club, which is always fun to see. Uh, the other news is Jason Verrett. Jason Verrett, he's still on the physically unable to perform list. He is not being activated this week. I think technically they have until Wednesday. So this upcoming Wednesday would be uh, October 26th to uh, activate him. And I think what they're probably going to do is they're probably going to activate him off of the pup next week. They will probably have him be a, um, what do you call it? A healthy scratch uh, for the Rams game. And then he will probably be activated at that point, um, like active on game day after the bye week. So that's my guess with Verrett. Um, I don't want them to rush him back. Obviously, without Mosley, we could really use another corner out there. Um, but, you know, that, that ends up giving him... They, they only If they don't get him going by Wednesday, he's done for the season. He will not play. If they activate him off of the pup by Wednesday, he can play this season. And... You know, with, with the bye week coming up after the Rams, that gives him plenty of time to continue to get healthy. Um, at that point, it'll be, let's see here, so we play Sunday, and then 30, and then we have a bye week for the 6th. So that means he can be back uh, mid-November, so whatever game we play in mid-November, uh, on the 13th. Uh, November 13th, that would probably be likely when Verrett would be available to play. And honestly, that's perfect, because if he is healthy and good to go, we got Mooney Ward on one side, Verrett on the other, and then whoever we need to put in the slot. It's probably going to be Demo. Um, he seems to have snagged that slot uh, role, or it could be Womack. It sounds like he had a little bit of a step back, um, but, you know, who knows? Uh, we will find out. Uh, either way, it will be really good if we get Verrett back. Um, here in the next couple of games uh, with Mosley out. If he ends up coming back and plays, that was a damn good insurance policy. I will, I will say that. <laughs> so that's where we're at for injuries. Um, yeah, so Verrett, 
not back. Hopefully he's back after the bye. That's kind of what I'm predicting if I were to guess. Bosa's back. Williams back. Jimmy Ward's back. Hafunga and Ward are questionable, but questionable is better than doubtful. So I am going to uh, I'm gonna cross my fingers on that. Uh, full practice on Friday. Bosa, Abukum. So that's good. Uh, Drake Jackson with his knee. Croft is good. McGlinchey's good. By the way, um, I want to say our offensive line, I want to talk about just a couple really, really positive storylines that may have been lost throughout the whole first, you know, kind of third of the season. Mike McGlinchey has played every game. His injury last year, he ripped a quad off of the bone, and here he is playing right tackle. Is he a little banged up? Remember when we saw him limping at practice? Mike McGlinchey's playing, and he's playing solid. Is Mike McGlinchey elite? No. But Mike McGlinchey has been playing solid, McGlinchey-style offensive line football so far this season. That is a that is a very positive storyline that we actually have Mike McGlinchey. Another very positive um, offensive line storyline that may or may not be lost on you. Aaron Banks. Aaron Banks has allowed zero sacks this season, and I don't know the exact number, but very, very little pressures. Aaron Banks has been great in pass protection. Great. Remember when we were like, is this going to be like a bust of a pick? And then they were like, oh, well, you know, he he looked so good. We almost started him the rest of the season last year if, if things went downhill. And then we were like, I don't know. I'm nervous about this Banks kid. Dude's been a stud. He has been a stud this season. Huge props to Aaron Banks. He's He's been playing great football at guard. Huge props to Banks. And another fun positive is Spencer Burford playing at right guard. Has he been perfect? No, but he's a fourth-round rookie. He converted from left tackle to right guard, and he's been starting. So that is a huge positive. And now Dwelly is getting back and healthy, so now they're potentially seeing about getting Dwelly in. Dwelly's not even on the injury report. Or sorry, not Dwelly. Um... <laughs> Brunskill. Bleh, I'm dumb. Um, but yeah, Brunskill. Like, shit, Brunskill's been playing. Uh, Brunskill got back. He was kind of getting a series here and a series there at, um, at right guard and then a little bit at left guard. Uh, you know, right tackle, left tackle. Uh, there's a potential that Brunskill might move into. Uh, might move in at uh, at center here. Jake Brendel. Jake Brendel has been the weakness on the offensive line by far. Jake Brendel has not played well. Every once in a while, Jake Brendel has a play where he plays really well. Uh, it's usually when he gets out in space to block. But outside of getting to the second level and making a decent block, he has not been good. So I'm hoping that Brunskill can uh, play well enough uh, that he can earn that uh that starting center position because if if we get in if we get a if we get better center play we get trent williams back we got a good offensive line 
So, again, I'm trying to find the positives here. I'm naturally a positive person. Um, Ayuk had a good game last week. Um, some people called it a breakout. It was like eight catches, 80-something yards, two touchdowns. Had a good game. I wouldn't call that a breakout. Uh, to me, a breakout is like 100-plus yards in a primetime game. Everybody notices you. I don't think he's had that yet, but he's he's due. I think Ayuk is going to be one of the keys to this next game because everybody knows about Debo. Everybody knows about Kittle. Those are the top th- top two threats. Uh, which means that typically Ayuk is, and he's so good at getting open. He's been so wide open so much. Uh, I saw a PFF thing, and uh, I think that Ayuk is rated as a top five wide receiver. Let me see if I can find that real quick. It was uh, something about Ayuk being like a top five receiver. Um, let me go to uh, roster. And, yeah, PFF has Ayuk ranked as the seventh overall wide receiver in the NFL. And uh, I forget what it was exactly, but they had him ranked something in top five. It was probably top five just in terms of uh, his receiving grade because he's always open. He's always open. Um, Yeah, Ayuk has a 79.7 receiving grade. Um, I think that's what it was, that he was top five in receiving because his his run blocking and uh, his run game isn't as good on PFF, but they have him ranked currently as a top five wide receiver. He's always open. He makes incredible catches, and he makes plays with the ball in his hands. And he's finally earning Jimmy's trust. I don't know why Jimmy has such an issue getting the trust of Ayuk. It was like Jimmy came in and he just like threw the ball to Trent Taylor a hundred times and Trent Taylor was his guy and then he threw the ball to Kittle a hundred times and Kittle was his guy and then he threw the ball to Debo a hundred times and Debo was his guy. He still hasn't quite got that with Ayuk, but apparently now he's getting there. Um, So I think Ayuk is going to be a key factor in this Kansas City game. But yeah, Ayuk, he's playing well. Um... And now we add McCaffrey. Now we add McCaffrey. I will say, the uh, <laughs> the McCaffrey-Shanahan, like, circle is full circle. It, it has come full circle. It's just crazy. So, Christian McCaffrey's dad, Ed McCaffrey, played for the 49ers in 1994 when they won a Super Bowl with Mike Shanahan as his offensive coordinator. Mind fuck? (laughs) Ed McCaffrey was Kyle Shanahan's hero, which is why Kyle Shanahan wore 87 when he played wide receiver at Texas. Now Christian McCaffrey comes to San Francisco to play for Kyle Shanahan, who's his offensive coordinator and his head coach. And Kyle Shanahan babysat Christian McCaffrey way back in the day. And John Lynch went to Stanford and Christian McCaffrey went to Stanford. The only thing that we need now for this to come full circle is we need a McCaffrey-Shanahan 
Super Bowl victory, just like we did in 94. So that's what this is. This move, the Christian McCaffrey trade, is saying we're fucking winning a Super Bowl. How do you stop Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, Kyle Juszczyk, throw in there a little Eli Mitchell when you want. You know, like this offense is ridiculous. And then you have Trent Williams back. Aaron Banks is playing great. Get Brunskill in at center maybe. Right guard. Burford's been playing solid. McGlinchey's been okay. The pieces are all there for this offense to just go insane. And it's, it's just, it's too many weapons. It's too many weapons. It should be unfair. Um, a lot of people are saying, like, I feel like the they're basically playing Madden in terms of how they're acquiring players. I feel like the only thing that uh, is going to stop this team is, like, ankle and knee injuries. <laughs> and I shouldn't laugh, but you know it's fucking true. You know that... Debo and Kittle and McCaffrey and Trent Williams and Mike McGlinchey and Jimmy Garoppolo, you're nervous about all their knees and ankles. And like, I will be praying to the football gods. I will, I will sacrifice a beer to the football gods, you know, like bust it in like the front yard and just sacrifice it to the football gods to save our players' knees and ankles. Because if we have healthy knees and ankles, nothing is stopping this team. It's too good. It's too good. And then on defense, let's go over to defense. Bose is playing like the best defensive player in the NFL. Who's going to argue that? Like, who is playing better on defense than Bosa and making as much of an impact as Bosa in the NFL. Bosa was out a week and a half. He still leads the NFL's in pressures. He's still tied for sacks in the NFL. It's ridiculous. He's so good. And then you have a Fred Warner. You have Dre Greenlaw, who had a bad game at the beginning of the season, got the extension, and has been playing out of his mind since then. Dre Greenlaw has been blowing shit up and hitting guys and tackle for losses and breaking up passes. Deshaun Gibson, like, who would have thought about that? He's been playing like a top three safety. Charvarius Ward, currently ranked number two on PFF. Hey. My dog's being weird. <clears throat> Charvarius Ward. Mooney Ward has been... One of the best corners in the NFL. Talanoa Hafunga has been one of the best safeties in the NFL. Tayshawn Gibson has been playing like one of the best safeties in the NFL. We have Fred Warner. We have Dre Greenlaw. Samson Ibukam has been playing really solid football. We're getting back Jimmy Ward. 
Is Eric Armstead hurt? Yes. When's he going to be back? I don't know. Probably after the bye, if I were to guess. I think that makes the most sense. I've never had plantar fasciitis, but I've heard it's the worst. This team is just fucking stacked. And Mitch Wisnowski getting an extension and crushing it at punter. He's been playing well, too. Robbie Gold's healthy, thank goodness. Um, that was super frustrating, watching the special teams fuck up and him, him having to make two tackles and hurt his leg. So that wasn't fun. But you know what? Here's where we're at. We're 3-3. Three and three. We have two games before the bye. And we should be getting a lot healthier over the next two to three weeks. When the bye week happens, we will either be 3-5, and 4-4, four and four, or 5-3. and three. Best case, worst case scenario, we're no worse than last year. <laughs> How good does that make you feel? I don't know. I don't want to go into a bye week three and five, but if I go into a bye week three and five and coming out of the bye week, I have a healthy Bosa, a healthy Armstead, a healthy Jason Verrett, a healthy Hafunga, a healthy Jimmy Ward, a healthy Kittle, a healthy Ayuk, a healthy Debo, a healthy Christian McCaffrey, a healthy Jimmy Garoppolo, a healthy Trent Williams, a healthy Mike McGlinchey, a healthy Elijah Mitchell. Like, that right there to me looks like time to make a run, you know? And if you come out of the bye week like that and you're five and three, well, shit, that, then you're really getting ready to make a run. And the NFC is wide open. The Eagles are over here undefeated 6-0. But outside of that, I mean, who's who's in the lead in the NFC? The Vikings? Yeah, but I don't really believe in the Vikings. Especially not in the playoffs. Packers look bad. Tampa Bay looks like they don't know what to do. They've been really hit or miss, and they've been struggling with injuries. Cowboys? I don't know. Their defense looks legit, but they've been somehow winning games with this guy named Cooper Rush. Dak Prescott's been hurt for a month. How good are the Cowboys? I don't know. Maybe they are really good. Maybe they're not. How good is the NFC West? I don't know. The Rams look like they're falling apart. They're losing. It sounds like Cam Akers is on his way out. They're, they're running back. So they don't have a running back. They don't have a deep threat. Stafford is throwing more interceptions than touchdowns. So the Rams are falling apart. The Seahawks are overperforming. It's weird. They shouldn't be this good, but somehow they are. Their defense is horrid. Their offense has been surprisingly good, and they're winning the turnover battle. Geno Smith is being efficient. How weird is it that Geno Smith started out his career just like with a terrible team not playing well breaking his jaw for getting in a fight with a teammate and then he ends up being a backup for five years and all of a sudden he's playing some of the best quarterback in the nfl play right now super weird and the cardinals are the cardinals i have no idea what's happening with them 
Kyler Murray's too short to see over the middle, but damn it, he can make plays. And sorry, my dog is my dog sniffing the microphone, aren't you? She turns one this week, don't you? Yeah, she turns one this week. What a good girl. Um, but yeah, Cardinals are Cardinals. They got back. Uh, they just got DeAndre Hopkins back. Um, they traded for Robbie Anderson. But they lost Marquise Brown to a foot injury for the year. I have no idea what to expect from them. I think they're going to fall apart. To me, <laughs> I love all the memes that Kyler Murray sucks whenever, like, Call of Duty comes out. And I think it is... It shows exactly how the relationship is going. When on Thursday Night Football, Kyler Murray was yelling at Cliff Kingsbury to calm the fuck down. Like, he was yelling at his coach. On primetime football. Like, that relationship is toxic as you know what. <laughs> so who knows what's happening with them. NFC West is wide open. It's ours for the taking. These next two weeks, I'm not going to spend too much time looking at the Chiefs. If we're healthy, we got a chance to play against, we got a chance to win against the Chiefs. It's going to be a hell of a hard game no matter what. But I'm pretty sure we beat the Rams. So we should go into this bye week 4-4 four and four or 5-3. and three. And you know what? If you would have told me going into the bye week that we would be 4-4 four and four or 5-3 and three and in first place in our division, I'd say, you know what? That isn't perfect, but that's where you want to be. If you told me that we added Christian McCaffrey, I'd be like, hell yeah. Now, regarding Christian McCaffrey also, I just got to get this out. Um, was it a lot of draft capital to give up? Yeah, you gave up a two, a three, a four, and a five the following year. Is that good or bad? I don't know. It's a lot of draft capital. I personally, I'm I'm on team don't pay running backs and don't draft them early. I am of the opinion of draft a running back every year in the fifth or sixth round. You can get productive guys. Scheme matters more than the back itself, and it's a high injury tendency position. So was it a lot to give up? Yes. Do we know what that means about the draft, though? We don't know. Did we just give up, um, you know, Dante Pettis, uh, Jalen Hurd, and Joe Williams with our second, third, and fourth pick? Or did we give up Debo, Fred Warner, and Spencer Burford with our third, second, third, and fourth round pick? We will never know. Do I like the contract? No, I don't like a $12 million cap hit for a running back. Am I nervous about the injuries? Yeah, you know, he's 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 had a lot of injuries the last two years. Previous to that, he'd never had an injury history in college or in his first three years in the NFL. Never missed a game. Last two years, not good. Hopefully he's over that little injury bug. Hopefully. And you know what? He's only got like $1 million guaranteed for injury, so there's a lot of flexibility with that contract. 99% sure McCaffrey is going to get his deal restructured. I don't know if it's this season or this offseason, but 
it's kind of where I said, like, is it a lot to give up? Yes. Am I nervous about the injuries? Yes. Do I like the contract? No. Am I excited? Fuck yeah, dude. Christian McCaffrey's awesome. I added him to my Madden team. And you know what? I'm going to end with this. I've been so hyped. I, I play a lot of Madden online. Uh, Madden Ultimate Team. It's basically like a build-your-own-fantasy team using current players as well as past players. And uh, you play online against people in like tournaments and stuff. It's a lot of fun. Um, my Madden team, I've been so hyped. I've got Crabtree, Randy Moss, Debo Samuel. Uh, I just added Christian McCaffrey. I picked up Joe Perry, Joe the Jet Perry from way back in the day, fullback from the original 49ers million dollar, Mac, million dollar backfield in like the 50s and 60s. Plugged him in at fullback. Just added Delaney Walker today. He came out. <laughs> I got Trent Williams holding down left tackle. On defense, I got Bosa, Buckner, Armstead, Cherverius Ward. I've got, who else is there on defense? Um, I've got uh, Deion Sanders, uh, Darquez Denard, Randy Moss from the throwback from that one time he played corner for the uh, Patriots. So I got him playing on outside corner because he's 6'4", and it's ridiculous. Got Rod Woodson, Ronnie Lott playing safety, Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, Quan Alexander, Aziz playing linebacker, Jimmy Ward and Hafunga backing up, playing special teams and smashing dudes. It's fun. It's fun. I love it. DJ Jones as uh, my nose tackle. <laughs> it's fun stuff. I love it. I'm hyped. I'm hyped, guys. I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to take the dog for a run. We're going to go do our Saturday three-mile run around the park. And then I'm going to go get a beer with a buddy um, down at the brewery. So get hyped. And, again, you know, being a Niners fan, it's an emotional roller coaster. But th this week... Thursday, Friday, Saturday, these three days, you should be just fucking loving it. Because this is, this is so fun this week. And if we get healthy and we beat the Chiefs, think about how much better you'll feel than when we lost against the Falcons. And uh, it's, it's an emotional roller coaster. I'm on a high right now. I'll catch you guys later. I love you. Like, comment, subscribe. Tell your friends. Tell your neighbors. Tell your enemies. And as always, I'll catch you next time. Go Niners.